presented for you on the announcement sheet. We have been studying the Ten Commandments this semester, and you're going to hear me say this a lot, but my prayer and hope is that when you think about the Ten Commandments, oftentimes our knee-jerk reaction is a list of rules, a list of do's and don'ts, a list of the ways God is trying to keep me from having all the fun in life. I want instead our knee-jerk reaction to be this semester, or at least after we finish this study, that it is ingrained in our heads um, that the Ten Commandments, perhaps more than anything else, are God's gift to us. Uh, It's a way of God coming to us in His grace and saying, let me show you how your life works best. I created you. Um, You're made in my image, and... Let me help you um, live in a way that's glorifying to me that will not do damage to your soul. Uh, And as we've been saying, Lewis says the the Ten Commandments are given for the proper working of the human machine. They show us how life works best. And tonight we come to the Third Commandment. And so I'm going to read the Third Commandment and then I'm going to pray for us. So follow along with me. One verse, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. This is God's word. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Let me pray ask God to help us. Father, uh, we come tonight and... To be honest with you, um, I feel burdened um, by the events that are going on in our world uh, with the bombing in New York City, with the shooting in Tulsa. Um, It seems like things, instead of getting better, it seems like things are getting worse. It seems like every time you turn around, there's a shooting or a terrorist attack, and things seem really chaotic. And so, Father, we come... We know you care about these things. And so we come tonight and we ask um, for your help. Many of us, we feel lots of different things. We feel angry. We feel hurt. We feel exhausted. We feel confused, frustrated, maybe even apathetic. uh, And everywhere in between. But we know from your word that when your people faced evil and injustice and oppression and turmoil, they had nowhere else to turn but to you. And so, Father, we acknowledge that we can't fix this. We can't fix the brokenness of our world, but the gospel speaks to it because at the very heart of what you came to do is a breaking down of walls. The walls that exist between us and you Uh, You tore those down in Jesus, and because of that, we are to move out into the world and tear down the walls that exist between us and other people. And so would you come, and we ask that you would heal us and unite us and tear down walls and bring peace and give us humility. Help us to be humble enough to listen and give us a deep love for our fellow man who's created in your image. Lord, make all things right. You promise that you will make all the sad things come untrue. 
and we long for that day. Um, Father, tonight as we look at this word, at, at this passage, we ask that you would teach us. It's a strong passage, um, very, very difficult and very convicting. But at the same time, would you not only show us our heart and our need for you, but show us how you meet us in our deepest need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Three things tonight. Um, As we look at this third commandment, I want us to first look at the importance. Okay, and so we're going to look at the importance of a name. Secondly, we want to look at the abuse. What are some of the ways that we break the third commandment? How do we abuse or misuse God's name? And then thirdly, uh, what is our hope? What is the hope, if you're like me, um, and you're going to see this commandment kind of undoes us. And so we need hope for people who take the Lord's name in vain and misuse it on a regular basis. And so hopefully uh, God will meet us as we look at the hope uh, in our last point tonight. So the importance, the abuse, and the hope. Let's look at number one, the importance. This commandment... um, In order for you to really grasp it, we've got to understand how important a name is. And you know, as I was thinking about it, for the most part, I think our culture actually gets this to some degree. We understand to some degree the importance of a name. And here's what I mean. Think about all the laws that are in place that protect people from misusing someone's name. Identity theft. You can't do that. You can't pretend to be someone else and take their name and use their credit cards and write checks out of their account and all those sorts of things without getting in some serious trouble. Slander laws. There are laws to protect people's reputation. Uh, Forgery. We can't just go and write someone's name uh, on an important document or on a check. And so... To use someone's name without a relationship to back it up can ruin your life, can put you in prison. And so I don't think, I think we understand that to some degree. But as we look at the third commandment, we see that this commandment is concerned with defending God's honor with defending his name. And here's what's interesting. I want you to think about this. If you have your Bible, you can look back at the other two commandments that we've studied. But it's very interesting, and I think this is important to note, unlike the first two commandments, if you look back at the first two commandments, uh, God in the third commandment refers to himself in the third person. He didn't do that in the first two commandments. There's a reason for this. First commandment, he says, you should have no other gods before me. We get to the third commandment. God very easily could have simply said, do not take my name in vain. Right? He doesn't do that. Very specifically, God says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God. Notice, Lord, if you have your Bible, all caps. We talked about this a few weeks ago. The Lord, all caps, your God, in vain. And so God here in the third commandment is calling attention to His name. He's calling attention to His special covenant personal name, 
which in the Hebrew is Yahweh. That means Lord. It's, it, it's his covenant name for God. What, is, we, what does God mean by that? Well, he's a God who binds himself to his people in a covenant with them, and he will not let them go. That is astounding. Because here's, let's work that out. Think about that, how big that is. When someone gives you their name, that is an act of intimacy. When someone gives you their name, it's a way of inviting that person into your life to get to know you. You're basically saying, I want to know you and I want you to know me. Right off the bat, God gives us his name. And it is a way of him saying, I want to know you. And I want you. Yes, I'm God. I'm high above the heavens and my ways are above tracing out, beyond tracing out. But I'm also a personal God that can be known. And I want you to know me. And so there's an act of intimacy in him giving us his name. But if we start to unpack that, we know that not only is a name intimacy, a name also is, uh, reveals someone's identity. So God has given us his identity. Uh, just like when you give someone your name, you're telling the world who you are. It's a very important part of your identity and a way of identifying yourself in the world. So what's the point? A point the point is this. A name is something extremely personal because it represents who you are. And whenever you misuse or speak against someone's name, you're speaking against them. Whenever you misuse or speak against someone's name, you are actually speaking against them. When you praise someone's name, you're actually praising them because their name is a representation of who they are. Transfer that principle to what God is saying in the third commandment. And all of a sudden, that makes this commandment very weighty. Very, very significant. Because you see, friends, your treatment of God's name actually shows the world what you think of him. If you were to treat the Lord's name, if you treat it like it doesn't matter, then that is the same thing as you treating him like he doesn't matter. That's the first point. The importance of a name. Okay, someone's name, and I think you, again, just look around at the world, and I think that comes across clearly. Number two, the abuse. How do we break or abuse and misuse God's name? What does that look like in our lives and in the world around us? And to understand this, this is the thing that made it click for me. Okay, think about the word vain here in the passage. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. That literally means here in this verse, the word vain literally means vapor. Literally means mist. And so think about that. What's a vapor or mist? It's something that's hardly there. It's something that lacks substance. It's something that is empty, that is meaningless, uh, that is weightless. It doesn't carry much weight. It has no substance. And so when we start to work that out, we start to understand what it actually means to misuse the Lord's name and to take it in vain. 
It actually means that you treat God's name like it doesn't matter. You don't give God much weight or substance in your life. You treat His name um, um, insignificantly. And so what does that look like um, when we work that out in our life or even in our own life or how do we see that uh, applied Well, I think the most obvious one, and maybe the one that you often think of or thought of right away, is when we use God's name as a curse word. And the problem with using God's name, that's pretty obvious, but the reason why that is such a big deal is that when we use God's name as a cuss word, it actually shows how little you think of God. Okay, and oftentimes I'll get this response, come on. Come on, that's not a big deal. I mean, every now and then, I'll slip up and I'll use God's name in vain. It's not a regular thing. It's not that serious. It's not that big a deal. But you've just shown your cards. Because that is exactly the problem and what this commandment is actually prohibiting. By saying it's not that big a deal, you are treating it lightly and treating God's name as if it has no weight. And so this verse comes in basically what it says, how can you claim to know such a great God and yet treat him so flippantly? That's really what this verse is asking. How can you claim to know God but yet treat him so carelessly and in a, lot, in a, and in a light way? And the, the reality is that you cannot. You can't, and that's why God says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what comes out of your mouth about God reveals what's really on the inside of your heart. And the truth, if we're really honest, is that in our hearts, Jesus often simply doesn't matter that much to us. That's what that reveals. I think that's easy to see. But there's another way we misuse God's name and the way it manifests itself, and that is in over-spiritualizing. This is often, this is very prominent, particularly in religious and Christian circles, and it often shows up in this God-told-me-so talk, or it's a God thing kind of talk. Let me use an example, an illustration. Ladies, let's say you're dating this guy. If you haven't experienced this personally, you've probably have heard stories like this before, but let's say you're dating this guy. It's going great. Couldn't be going better. You go out on several dates. You think this is it. All of a sudden, you get the call from the guy you're dating, and he says, we got to talk. Well, you know that's serious when you say, we've got to talk, particularly when he says, meet me at Lamar Park. And so you go to Lamar Park and you small talk and solve the problems of the world. And then finally it gets to it. And the guy says, I've been doing a lot of thinking. And not only have I been thinking, I've also been doing a lot of praying. I've prayed about this a lot. And God told me, Fill in the blank to break up with you. God told me that we need to break up. (laughs) 
Don't ever say that. <laughs> you can't say that. Okay? How do you know that God told you that? What did His voice sound like? Okay? I mean, you know, we could go on and on and on. Yes, it might be true that you need to break up because your relationship is unhealthy. But just own it and say this is not working out instead of bringing God's name into it and playing the God card and playing that Trump card which trumps every other card. You know, what are you going to say to that? And girls, if that ever happens to you, you have my permission to say this. I prayed and God told me that we should get married. <laughs> and then you can battle out whose God's talking to whom. Okay? Listen, I'm trying, that's totally, listen, let me be serious. You see my point? God does not like it. God does not like it when we use His name to have power over other people and to play the God card. God doesn't like it when we use His name as a way to get out of all responsibility so that we get out scot-free. Because you're using His name in a way that's inappropriate. That's what I'm talking about when we over-spiritualize things. But also, I think we misuse the Lord's name to get people to think about us in a certain way. We use God's name to help people to think about us and to manage people's perceptions of us or to give us what we want. And when we do that, we are misusing God's name and taking His name in vain. And let me give you a very specific application that I think is appropriate uh, for this time of year particularly as we approach recruitment. Think about your sorority. If you're in Greek life, your sorority or your fraternity, and I want you to reflect on this question. Do you use the Lord's name in a way that promotes your agenda? Do you use it in a way that makes your sorority or fraternity more attractive to the people going through Rush so then you can get that particular person or those particular people into your sorority or fraternity? That's worth considering. I'm not saying we do that overtly, but oftentimes indirectly, very subtly, we communicate those sorts of things as people are going through, don't we? Something to consider. But not only does it have to do with our words, we break this commandment when we say one thing with our mouth and we say we're a Christian and we confess the name of Jesus, but then our life looks nothing like it. It looks nothing like a follower of Christ. And you see the pro problem with that is that we are representing, we're saying we've got the name of Jesus. We are carrying his name into the world and then our life looks totally opposite as the way he would have us live. And so we misrepresent his name and therefore take his name in vain. And friends, God, I know this is hard, it is. But God takes it personally when we use His name in an inappropriate way. 
just like you. Think about your own life. Why is, he thinking, why is God bringing the heat? <laughs> well, think about in your own life when someone misuses your name, how that affects you and what that does to you. Look at the second part of the third commandment. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who, doesn't, who takes his name in vain. Again, I know that sounds incredibly harsh, but think about it logically this way. Input all the stuff I said about God wanting a relationship with us. Okay? He's given us his covenant personal name. And so when you think about it that way, how would you... Would you stay in a relationship with someone who belittled you, walked all over you, treated you poorly, ignored you, didn't give you the time of day? That'd be hard, wouldn't it? That would be incredibly difficult. And it's the same with God. God saying, I love you. I want to move towards you. I want to have a relationship with you. And I want us to have a mutual respect. God is saying, I'm always going to respect you. I'm always going to love you. And I want you to respect and love me. And one of the ways you can do that is by honoring my name. Thirdly, the hope. We need some hope. Because the truth of the matter is that the third commandment is all-encompassing, isn't it? And it could conceivably include every act of disobedience to God whatsoever. And so what that means is that if you've been listening, you're probably uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. But I think that's actually where God wants us to be. And here's, hang with me. But there is hope. What is the hope? And before we get to the hope, let me tell you what the hope is not. The solution is not tonight to leave this place and saying, I've got to give, I've got to the exercise my will and I've got to give God more weight in my life. I've got to grin and bear it. Or to say, I've got to watch my language. I've got to clean up my words. Or to leave here and say, I've got to pay more attention to God and be more mindful of Him. Are any of those things bad? Absolutely not. But it doesn't go deep enough. Because what this commandment reveals is there's something deeply wrong with us. There's something deeply wrong in our heart and in the things that we love. And so the question is, how do we eat away at the weightlessness of God in our own heart? When you think about the commandments, you need to always remember that the commandments are like a mirror that show us who we really are. That's one of their purposes. But at the very same time, the commandments also come and show us who God is and what God is like. And when we get to what God is like in this commandment, underneath all of the commandments, but we particularly see it in this one, we see the good news and the goodness of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And friends, seeing that is the key to giving God weight in your life. You've got to know, you've got to know that as often as you and I treat God as if He doesn't matter, on the cross, Jesus treated you as if you supremely mattered. You've got to know that on the cross, Jesus bore your name. 
You know, often when we think of Jesus on the cross, we think him thinking about this world just generally or people in a very generic way. No. Jesus was thinking about you by name. And how do we know that? Because in Isaiah it says that your name is engraved on the palm of his hand. And so if we're ever going to understand what Jesus has done, we've got to understand that He bore our name. And because He bore our name, we can bear His. And I think this is huge when you think about this idea of uh, the world in which we live. Think with me about our culture for a second. We live in a world where people pull their names from people who misrepresent them. Okay, so uh, you see this all the time with athletes and with celebrities. If they get into a scandal or if they get arrested and break the law, what happens to the companies that they represent and have endorsements from? They pull it. Why? Because they say... That's bad for our name. That's bad for our reputation. That's not who we want to be. That does damage to us. God comes into the world and flips that on its head. Do you ever think about that? God comes into the world and says, I'm going to attach my name to people who others would be embarrassed to associate with. That's the gospel. And you might be saying, no, Jason, you don't understand who I am and what I've done. My name and my reputation has been totally destroyed on this campus. It has been tarnished. You might say, Jason, my name is associated with manipulating people and hurting them and crushing them and burning one bridge after the other. Jason, you don't understand. My name is associated with abuse. My name is associated with hypocrisy. My name is associated with abortion. My name is associated with shame. Jesus takes the name that you are so ashamed of and he engraves it on the palm of his hand and he says, I'm proud to call you mine. I'm proud that you belong to me. Do you see how wonderful that is? Is that not the best news that you've ever heard? You and I, me included, we are ashamed of Jesus often. But friends, the good news is that Jesus is never ashamed of you. I heard a story from one of my campus minister friends about one of his students named Katie. She was in a sorority. She was a Christian. She had a rough start and had made some very bad decisions and at some point had decided in her college career that she wanted to turn the corner. She wanted to be serious about her faith and really be known as a Christian in her sorority. She did okay for a little while, but then eventually she went out one Friday night and completely blew it. Uh, She uh, got totally wasted, said things was rude, said things that, to people that she shouldn't have said, did things that she shouldn't have done. And she was devastated. 
And all she could think about is how she had completely ruined her witness with the people in her sorority. She wanted to run and hide and had even considered dropping out of the sorority. She went and talked to her campus minister, and after talking to him, the campus minister looked at her and says, you really want to be a witness for God's name and for God's reputation? You really want your sorority sisters to see what God's like? Then own this. And go to them and admit that you blew it and apologize and ask their forgiveness and rest in the fact that Jesus has forgiven you. And if you do that, you will show them what God is really like way more than trying to keep it all together and be the good Christian little girl that you thought you were supposed to be. Because you see, God's name and God's reputation, friends, is one of amazing grace to sinners like me and you. And when we understand that, His name will more and more, it won't happen overnight, but more and more, His name will begin to mean everything to us. We've got to grasp how much we matter to God because that's the only way that He will matter to us. And when that happens we'll start to give him respect. And more and more, he will start to have weight in our life. Let's pray.